you, Rob, and uh, thank you for that clip, which was really a great illustration. <clears throat> what do you think of the idea that Jesus can really and deliberately mess up your plans? You see, we usually entertain the idea that Jesus came to smooth out the creases, to pep up our peace, and to mop up our mess. He does those things, and yet at other times, he wipes our ways aside. He intends to mess up our plans, not out of spite, but out of a desire to build something better and different in our lives, something new. I want us, therefore, to look back and think of that old bloke Abraham living off his company pension and wham-bang as an old guy, God tells him to pack up and move to an unknown land. If you've ever had that happen in your life, where you're just getting a nice, cosy groove, when circumstances are just really working for you, and God says, can I have the stool back? Can I have the stool back because I'm going to take you to a new place? That's a messy change of plan. Israel messed up time and again. And even in sorting them out, there was a messy change of plan. And they got a new identity. God's pilgrim people. Jonah just wanted to get on with his own life and for Nineveh to go to hell. He ended up in a fish's belly and time to think what on earth God was playing at. Another messy change of plan. Having packed up as we have done Christmas for another 12 months, I want us before we get into the meat of tonight's theme to look back a bit and to have an alternative glimpse at Christmas before we get into the passage for tonight. You see, when I reflect on the birth of Jesus, I can't help but focus on the young Mary, who was given the mammoth task of carrying the saviour of the world in her womb. Matthew introduces the story in these words. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Deep joy. Can you imagine the cultural shock and the shame? She was earnestly looking forward to that great big wedding day when she was going to be officially announced for all to see as Mrs. Joseph. She was looking forward to entering into marriage with a sense of pride and having kept her purity for her husband. And suddenly, suddenly, she was up the duff. Suddenly, Mary was pregnant. A massive, messy change of plan. She was going to be pregnant, but still remain a virgin. What a mess! Surely, what a lot of nonsense. I can't begin to imagine what was going through her mind when she received the message from the angel Gabriel. She was going to be publicly ridiculed. She was going to lose the man of her dreams. Her plans were going to be ruined. Joseph, her fiancé, it says, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Talk about God messing up your plans. Talk about your life, nice, neat, measured and sorted, getting pushed out of the window. 
What Mary and her fiancé Joseph did not know was that it was God's time to reveal something of his glory. It was time for God to fulfill the long-standing promise of a Messiah. It was God's time to bring on earth the Redeemer and Saviour of the world. So it says in Galatians 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a virgin. God's plan, you might say. But boy, he messed up a few people's plans. And when God comes and works in your life and in mine, when he wants to introduce his kingdom agenda, listen in. He never asks if you are ready. Instead, he looks to see if you are willing. So I ask tonight, are you willing to get off the stool? Are you willing to allow God to accomplish his purpose using you as his instrument? Are you willing to surrender your life to him? And as a church too, God wants us to be willing to get off the stool and hand over control to him. God wants to listen us to listen more to his plans and be willing to put aside our own. Aldridge Parish Church is a well-oiled machine. We like to do things in a way that you know what's going to happen for the next few weeks, the next few months, the next few years. And though we're cool and relaxed and contemporary, when God wants to mess up our plans, we don't like it. So that brings us to our reading for tonight in Luke 5. When Jesus called these fishermen, he was disrupting their family business, their settled lifestyle, their carefully laid out plans, their day-on-day-on-day routine. And what starts with the miracle of a huge catch of fish is more to do with three fishermen getting hooked by Jesus. Getting hooked by him, who from now on wants them to get off the stool And do something very different in life. Caught into a life of discipleship. As a long night of fruitless labour and fishing. Is followed by this strange morning of thinking. What's going on? They really felt dislocated. They're plunged into uncertainty. Of following this mysterious teacher. And if you were really worshipping through those songs. You acknowledged that Jesus kind of blows our minds just when we think we've got him sorted he asks of us things and takes us places that are uncomfortable teenagers your life's mapped out your folks have plans for you they long for you to succeed in education and frankly so do we but what you do with your lives after that If you're listening to him, God might seriously mess up your plans. Those of you who started out in careers, those of you who are in mid-career, those of you who are coming to the end of your career, and those who've said bye-bye to your career, at any stage in life, the living God can seriously mess up our plans. Not because he's mean, not because he does it in spite, because his kingdom is bigger 
than we ever imagine. And the challenge as a Christian is to get off the stool, to listen hard, to be flexible, and to obey what he says. So these disciples came into the presence and company of this mysterious teacher. They were caught in Jesus' net so thoroughly and with such force that upon coming to shore, all they could do is what Luke tells us they did. They left everything to follow him. Now that is crazy or something deep had happened. They weren't mindless things. They clearly engaged with Jesus. And if you read verse 5 of our passage, you see that Simon objects. We've been fishing all night and caught nothing. I wonder if you can hear the tone of frustration in his voice. And I wonder if as a Christian, you've ever been really angsty and annoyed with God. Because you do him a favor, let him get on the seat, and then he starts to speak to you about doing something different with your life. And you say, have you got any other ideas, Jesus? Have you got any better ideas? Because that doesn't suit me right now. And Peter was frustrated. He was annoyed that here was a carpenter, a chippy, telling a fisherman what to do. You see, it was okay for Jesus to use the boat as a pulpit. But when it came to fishing, well, that was Simon's field of expertise. Simon did not need lessons from a carpenter about fishing. And we can be like that too. Sometimes we resent it when Jesus speaks into our lives. We resent it when the word of God leaves the pages of a book and actually starts to speak into our lives and make a difference. Jesus, have you got any better ideas? We resent it when the word of God won't stay in church but starts to affect our homes and our lifestyle, and our workplace experience, when it jumps out of Sunday and into Monday through Saturday. And Jesus here demonstrates that his word has power, and he has authority to speak into every and each situation. He touches all of life. And sometimes, just sometimes, folks, get used to the idea that he messes up our plans. And then as Jesus called these fishermen to catch people, the chapter goes on to show how disruptive Jesus could be. His kingdom would be open, as the passage goes on, to all to become his followers. And a more motley crew you can't imagine. So I'm going to read the last few verses that were read to us. Roll up the tax collectors and sinners and the outsiders. After this, it said, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink? with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Luke is showing us that Jesus' appeal to the underclass and the marginalized is a point that Christianity from the very beginning 
was not elitist. Most of the first Christians were poor for the first four centuries. Most of them had nothing to commend them. And through these poor individuals, the kingdom of God spread. There's some magic there to be heard by a church like ours that has got so much. God can take those who others would sniff and snort at and use them in a way that those of us with considerable resources, intelligence and energy need to wake up to. Luke tells us in this chapter that Jesus was willing to touch and heal an outcast leper and then that the sins of a helpless, paralyzed man were forgiven and his life was transformed. And then we're told of another outcast, a man who was a crook and a traitor, a tax collector named Levi. In fact, his real name, Matthew. Matthew. A man disdained by his fellow countrymen because he joined the enemy and started collecting taxes on their parts. But Levi, or Matthew, was going to become one of the apostles. I did a really bad thing this morning in the worship. I spontaneously called out about half a dozen people and asked them to come to the front. Rob was one of them. And I included in that one young fella who's been a Christian about two months. And I stood over him and I said, this is Tom. One day I pray he'll be a leader in this church. He's begun. He's only begun. You could say, humanly speaking, he's clueless. But I reckon the living God wants to seriously mess up his plans. And he wants to take him and he wants him to grow as a disciple. And he doesn't want him to be cosy of Aldridge. He wants him to discover what it is to have every way you think turned inside out and upside down. And as he allows God to do that, as a very ordinary bloke who's bright, he's got a business, he's got life sorted. I hope he learns to get off the stool because God can mess up your plans. What Jesus did and said with Levi was disruptive and disturbing to the establishment. Jesus always broke the rules of social convention, not once, but many times over. He went out of his way to find Levi. Earlier, the leper had come to him, verse 12. The paralyzed man had been carried to Jesus, but the Lord went out and he saw this tax collector at his booth at his place of work, if you like, the place where he counted the money. And the Lord took the initiative. He went to his office, and there Levi, the dodgy man, met Jesus, the saviour of the world, went to see and to meet and befriend the most unpopular guy in town. He went right up to him, standing before his counting table, the place from where his corrupt fortune had been amassed. And he says to him, follow me. Follow me. Get off the stool. Let me sit on the stool. Let me call the shots. Even if it means messing up your plans. And every day 
he says to you and to me, whether you're 15, 50, or 85. Get off the stool and follow me. Not one of us is called because of our goodness, but everyone is called to join, to be joined to Jesus and to become like him. That sometimes means messing up your plans, wrecking our cozy lifestyle and tinkering with our pension plans. Paul, who seriously had his life messed up when Jesus met him on a Damascus road, or was it that he found his life? Paul wrote later on to the Corinthians, brothers, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. That's God the Father. It is because of him, God the Father, that you are now in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And really that's a fancy way of saying Get off the stool, let God be the boss, and let him take you where he wants to. It is because of God the Father that you and I are called and chosen. He does lovingly embrace us. He does lovingly want to mop up the mess, pep up the peace, and sort out our lives for good. But the bit you might not have reckoned with, he can also disrupt our plans. He is God, he is fair, but he can mess up our plans and preferences. So Levi became a real disciple. He truly followed the Lord Jesus Christ from that time on with no turning back. It was not some kind of emotional spasm, some kind of thing. We just sung a great song like a pocket full of faith and he felt good about it. It wasn't like that at all. Ultimately, he stuck with Jesus and Jesus stuck with him. Levi left everything. And that's what happened when the Lord Jesus messes up your plans. It's a gift. It's a kingdom-driven crisis. And it's messy. It's a wonder. And it's the best thing that can ever happen to you.